91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. Fred Sims Jr. is involved with Shoreline Organized Against Racism. Sims speaks with KBCS's Kevin Henry, and they talk about the importance of honoring Juneteenth and Black history and working through race relations in America. I first found out about it in, well, I think it was in grade school, very uh, briefly, I recall, but I'm originally from St. Louis and I lived in an all black neighborhood in an all black elementary school. And as my teachers would say, we don't have black history month because every month is black history month, you know? So uh, we were quite aware of a lot of different things. And Juneteenth was one of those, but I really didn't think of the significance of it until I got to college. And it was there that I met some classmates from uh, uh, from Texas, and they talked about the Juneteenth celebration and how big it was and what they did. And the main thing was partying. But she gave me a little historical background on it, and that's when I became aware of the significance of it. So it's uh, it is a reminder of where we are now. But the interesting thing is that uh, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in, I think, 1863. The war was over in 1865, I think April. But the people in Texas didn't hear about it until two months later or three months later, I think it was in July or so, or June, yeah, two months later. So uh, I just find it interesting celebrating uh, this delayed uh, holiday. Uh, In Texas, I can see that. Uh, But I do think that because so much of our history has been erased or not recorded, this is something that we should be aware of and of its significance too. I think that uh, for me, I've I've told my son about it, and it's just one of those things that people should be aware of. You know, it's not just a day on the calendar or people party that day. They should be aware of why we celebrate Juneteenth. Well, I think the why too is is such a key word because there's a certain, let's just say a certain segment of the population in the country that really want to either ignore or diminish our history and America's history, which is not all that great when it comes to how the country has treated indigenous people, how it's treated black people. And there are those who would just as soon forget that, or if they do have to address it, it's in a very kind of diminished, watered down kind of way, like, oh, well, you know, once, yeah, there was slavery and that wasn't good, but let's look at all the great things that happened in American history. Well, I think you should just look at the total picture, which includes the good, the bad, the ugly, as I like to say. No, I completely agree. And the problem is that the people that say that want to whitewash it. You know, we are a product of our past. Our, pra- our past 
has established our present and our future for better or worse. The repercussions are still being felt from the seeds that were planted generations ago. So people say, oh, that was in the past, just forget it. Well, you know, considering that uh, you had the end of the war, uh, the Civil War, the freedom of the, the slaves free, then you had Reconstruction, and then you had Jim Crow, and Jim Crow lasted up until actually in some areas of the country, the late 60s, maybe even the upper 70s, you know, and now we're getting to my territory and I remember people talking about this and people just don't get over things because there are generational uh, memories as bad as they are. Some generation, some people don't talk about, black people don't talk about certain things because it was so harmful and they could have been killed. And so they don't tell their kids about it, just move on. But they carry those scars. White people don't talk about it because it would put a mirror to themselves. And so they just say, forget about it. Uh, the Tulsa massacre for the longest period of time, no one talked about it. Black people because they were too embarrassed and they were ashamed. White people because they knew they had done dirt and they just covered it up. And just recently I was talking to a man, he said he had started studying it and there were people that were threatened by other white people not to talk about it. So it's whitewashed in, and once it's if it's not written or known, it will be forgotten over decades. And that's what some people feel that they want to occur. We don't talk about it. We don't write about it. We don't record it. Two or three generations, it'll just be a myth. Yeah. And after, yeah, that, I... no, just, and after that, it just won't be, uh, it, there will be no relevance. It will have no relevance but the effects will still be there. And that's the damning aspect of it. People don't know why people act a certain way or in a certain way because they have no history. That's just how they reacted. And that's how they do, but they don't look at where those actions came from or how they came to be in that particular situation. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was thinking about what you said about how people want to say, oh, you know, let's just, let's just forget about that. You know, that's the past and people just have to get over it. And, and I always counter with a couple of things. One is, is that every year we celebrate the 4th of July. I have no problem with the 4th of July. I enjoy the day off. I'll watch the fireworks. I'll go to a barbecue. But in 1776, Black people were not celebrating their freedom. So really, it has no relevance to me personally. Uh, and my second point is, is that when people say, let's just forget about it, it's in the past, all that bad stuff, is that I can turn on the TV probably today and hear about the founding fathers and Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and all that stuff. And that's people seem to have no trouble referring to that. And that influences those heroes who are also slave owners and some were rapists are people that are always on the lips of a lot of people. As, as people to idolize and, and even repeat some of the speeches that were made while ignoring the wicked side of that you know, period in history. Well, 
all you have to do is reach into your po your pocket and pull out a bill, and there it is. <laughs> the memories are all there. So what it is is just forget it, but be selective about what you forget. We don't want you to remember this bad stuff, but we want you to remember this stuff here. But even though this stuff here has some bad stuff, don't remember that bad stuff. Just think about the positive, okay? You're being negative. Well, if you look at it, uh, everything that has gotten me to being negative has occurred because of this bad stuff in the past. You know? yep. And for, I remember my grandmother telling me, uh, well, I'll never forget her in Mississippi. And uh, she would walk down the street with, and there were some white people coming and she was like, oh, let's get out the way. Let the white people buy, I'm going, what? I'm like 12, this is late 60s or so, or 10, and I'm going, and I didn't really understand what was going on, but that's how she grew up. And if you are subjected to certain things over a period of time, you can resist, resist, resist. But after a while, you know your place. And that's exactly what had occurred with a lot of Black people during that time. You know, you are, tell someone to stand in the corner and they resist and you beat them. You come back in, tell them to stand in the corner and you beat them and they don't. After a while, you just open the door and they're standing in the corner, okay? And that what has happened to a lot of black people during that particular time who would not rise up because they saw the repercussions. And also they didn't want that to occur to their kids. So they would keep them from rising up. So you have this generational pain that's passed on from one generation to the other of not rising up. But within those generations, you have people that despite being told not to do that, they did. And that's how we advance further. Oh, absolutely. And then, but what's interesting is those same people were labeled, you know, radical and dangerous. And let's let's get the FBI to spy on them. And and tap wiretap their phone because oh my goodness you know they're a threat to democracy in the country well there's a reason why these people are angry why don't i always tell people why don't you explore rather than complaining about the fact that people are protesting you know blm or whoever it is why don't you find out why they're out there in the first place why was malcolm x so angry before he kind of took a more kind of you know panoramic view of of america um instead of just complaining that he hated white people, for instance. I mean, he didn't just wake up in the morning for no reason and decide to hate white people. No, this is true. And in fact, uh, when people say, well, you know, Malcolm X, you know, he was a radical of the Black Panthers. And I'm like, radical to whom? He was trying to protect his people. If, he's, if his people were not being subjected to terrorist threats, and to lynchings and hangings and assassinations, and he wouldn't be a radical. But this country was founded on radicalism. This country was founded on going against the grain if they did not see it right. So when people say, well, they shouldn't protest, like this country was built on protest. 
Okay, if anything, for those who say they shouldn't protest, they are being anti-American. And as I was telling someone, my son, listen, black people have spent their, spilled their blood in this country from day one. First person killed was Crispin Addicts. And both domestically and internationally, they have more than paid their price. So when people say, oh, well, go back to Africa. No, no, this is my home. And uh, this is, we fought for it, we bled for it, we lynched for it, we raped for it, we were castrated for it, we were slaved for it. So I think we paid our dues. Now the ones that should go back or maybe the ones who should go back to Europe because what do they pay? What do they do? They made other people do for them. So if you're talking about blood, sweat, and tears, and toil for this land, I think that our history has shown that we've more than done our share. Yeah. But unfortunately, that too has taken our, its toll on us as a people, because I think we have had a mass PTSD from having to deal with what we have to deal with just day in and day out. So some of the actions that you see within the black community are part of that. That's not to excuse it, but that's to say there, these are some of the ramifications, the repercussions of the things that we've had to deal with historically. Now black people and white people can say, well, you know, uh, black people are this or whatever, but the fact is there's a premium placed on white skin. And the one thing that they've done is convince poor white people that they were, regardless how poor they were, that they're better than black people. And if you're going to keep people separated, that's the way to do it. United, they may start thinking, hey, we have a common enemy and it's not each other. But if you can tell one group that they're better than the other group. And historically you can show how they are better, even if it was by the force of their foot or bullet or chains, then I'll believe it. As one white guy said, you know, I may be hard up, but at least I'm not a threat. That was Fred Sims Jr., a community advocate with Shoreline Organized Against Racism. Speaking with KBCS's Kevin Henry. For more KBCS stories and to support our work with a donation, you can visit kbcs.fm.